Hello everyone, Amelie here to introduce today's amazing guest, Madison Hopkins. Madison is a personal finance coach and the podcast host of Money with Madison. After working at Vanguard, one of the largest global investment firms, she knew she had to help more women with their finances. Through the Money with Madison method, which replaces budgeting, she helps women get control of their money without it controlling them. By putting systems into place to pay off debt, glow up their savings, and start investing, Madison helps her clients lead a happy and harmonious life with their money. We loved our conversation with Madison. We talked all about money mindsets, perfectionism, net worth, and so much more. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everybody's Bad with Money, where we share stories and get real about personal finance. We make money talk fun. I'm Amelie. And I'm AJ. And we have a special guest today. We have Madison, the creator of Money with Madison. Um, love your name. It's my best friend's name. <laughs> and uh, beyond that, we're super excited to have you and hear about uh, your your coaching business, your um, your perfectionism and how you've cured that with money. And beyond that, let's start with our favorite topic, your money stories. So um, as far back as you're willing to take us, what were your beliefs around money growing up? Um, what's your relationship with money then versus now? Tell us everything. Yeah. So, I mean, thank you guys so much for having me as a podcaster myself. I, um, I love obviously talking about money. And so this is great. Um, so my money story, yeah, I, I don't really remember like how old I was, but I very vividly remember, um, I mean, I was maybe, I don't know, like between the ages of five and eight, I I don't know, but I, I remember this moment where I remember my mom, um, either talking to somebody or like something happened and she was stressed about money and I could just like really deeply feel that and like it caused me as even as a child like a lot of stress and anxiety um and I remember like going to my room and getting my little like coin purse and giving it to my mom and being like here mom like um use this like if you need it I, I want to help <laughs> <laughs> such a sweet little child yeah oh, that's so sweet <laughs> Yeah, I and I can still like see the little coin part like it was purple and had this like intricate design like I just remember it so much and that that's probably my very first memory of money and like being conscious of it and I don't know if it's if it was because I was already conscious of money or if it was just because I was like a really highly sensitive person that I could feel the stress um so yeah, that that's my earliest memory. And I, I think it kind of leads into the like rest of my life where I grew up with um, a single mother and that obviously plays a big role into how you're raised and how you see money and yeah. um, like scarcity mindset and stuff was huge. Although, you know, like that wasn't ever talked about and my mom obviously did the best she could and always provided for us. Um, but, you know, you grow up and, and you you feel that and you're part of that environment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, so keep keep taking us along your money story. So (laughs) um, what actually kind of led you to start to think about your own money? Like what got you interested in personal finance? And um, after you were that like five to eight year old little, little kid, like what did your relationship with money look like? Yeah, definitely. So 
um, growing up, we, I feel like there's two types of families. You have the family that when they travel, they just get hotels. That's just the norm. They just get a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have families that stay with family. Like they don't want to spend money on a hotel. They want the trip to be as cheap as possible. Totally. Um, so that was definitely my family, just trying to make it <laughs> as cheap as possible, which totally obviously is good. Like you should be conscious of money and aware of it and not spend frivolously. But, um, yeah, that had a huge impact on me. I realized once I was out of the house, um, I, in travel in particular, I'd be like, well, if we can drive, that's cheaper because, um, I used to live in Arizona. So we'd go to California a lot and obviously taking a plane is a lot quicker, but because I was so used to, um, spending as little money as possible, I would always want to drive. So like an hour flight turns into a whole day, eight hour drive, just because yeah. save 200 bucks. And it's like, it got to the point where it's just like, this is taking away from my life. And I think that's really when my mindset started to shift. And I started to look at these things deeper, like, why am I like this? <laughs> like, why would I rather <laughs> sit in the car for eight hours and be miserable than just hop on a flight? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And I think money is something that can really bring convenience, but when you're not used to using money for convenience sake, um, it's almost like, I don't know, my family did the same thing. Like we were always trying to stay with with family when we could. Um, And then you kind of get out of that and you're like, okay, but what about like experiences and using my money for experiences and not feeling guilty about it? That's it. That's a huge, huge factor. I don't know if, if you agree with that or if you felt that way. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny because when I met my boyfriend, um, he, he was the opposite of me. He, his mm. motto was, you can't take it with you when you die. Um, you know, like why save money, like buy the best of everything. And that gave me a lot of anxiety, but yeah. looking back, it was such a blessing because like we balance each other out now. And like, I have learned a lot from him that um, you get what you pay for and that that's not something to feel ashamed of at all. Yeah, absolutely. We love talking about money and relationships because it's so (laughs) interesting to hear how people kind of partner together and um, talk about money. So like, did you guys talk about money from the very beginning of your relationship? Did that kind of evolve as the relationship evolved? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So it's, it is weird because my, I, yeah, my personal journey with money kind of started about the same time we started dating Mm. Um, because I was actually still in college when we started dating so obviously like very young I didn't really understand the adult world yet I mean I worked all through college um, but yeah you just you don't really know and so we were trying to get an apartment together and him being a little older than me obviously knew how expensive that was and um so yeah, we kind of have evolved together. And um, I I even started my blog, I think when we were in moved into our first apartment together, because again, that was like, when I was in the real world, like that's when everything hit, that's when the bills hit, that's when I had to start paying my student loans back. Um, So yeah, it kind of all happened at the same time. And so I've, I've definitely grown with him and, and we've grown together, obviously. So Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that, I mean, obviously that time transitioning from college into the real world, I think is when a lot of people get that, like, oh my God, 
what is this? Like, what am I going to do about money? It's like a crazy feeling. I certainly experienced it. Um, and going back a little bit further, like, how did you choose your college? Did your mom talk to you about like what college costs and what did that look like for you? Yeah, that's okay. This is so bizarre. I was literally thinking about this yesterday because, (laughs) um, we were, I don't even know how it came up. We were talking about colleges or something. Oh, because I live in Boston now, I made a joke. So do I. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know you guys were. (laughs) AJ's in DC, um, but I'm in Boston. I'm in East Boston. Okay. So I'm in, (laughs) I'm, I'm South of the city. I'm in Dedham. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, so we're, we're so close. Through... <laughs> I know we need to like meet up. Obviously. I know <laughs> post COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so we were driving through Boston and we were passing Harvard and I was like, you know what? I'm going to like, I'm just going to apply to Harvard. Like, why not? So I don't know. We started talking about colleges and obviously Harvard's very much out of the question and very expensive, <laughs> but it made me think because I did go to a more reasonable reasonable priced college Mm -hmm. because I was kind of pushed in that direction again um I was actually living in Utah in high school um and so I wanted to go to the University of Utah Mm -hmm. and that's even though I was getting in state it was still going to be really expensive um but I applied and I was accepted and I was really excited about it Um, and then my mom sat me down and she's like, um, yeah, that's not going to work for us. (laughs) And, um, which in hindsight, I'm very thankful that she did that. But at the same time, it kind of goes back to like that scarcity mindset and like you get what you pay for. And so part of me regrets not going to the university of Utah, just because it is a more well-known and prestigious school. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I have like half the debt now than if I would have gone there, which is yeah. such a blessing. It really is. I mean, college is just so expensive. And I honestly think it's criminal because people like ha- have to make those decisions of like, this is actually the school I really want to go to, but I can't afford it. It's crazy. Also, I'm really impressed that your mom actually sat you down and like went through the numbers with you because I think so many people don't get that experience. And it's definitely a tough conversation to have but I think it's definitely a really necessary one um so props to your mom <laughs> yeah, yeah I was very angry at her yeah. at the time of course yeah, now obviously I'm very grateful <laughs> yeah definitely um so you you went to college and then you you came out of college with with some student debt and did you kind of know that you were getting into debt going into college or did that really hit you post-college yeah, I it definitely hit afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I did actually go to um, a college in my hometown, and I actually had gotten a lot of scholarships. They even gave nice. me a debit card with like two grand on it because what they wanted to give me was more than the tuition. So they just gave me some money. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Get good grades, kids. Get debit cards with money. (laughs) But even then, I didn't really understand it. Like, my mom was so excited and so happy. She's like, you need to make sure you use that right. And I'm just like, whatever. Like, this is my money. I can do what I want. Mm. Um, So, and then, yeah. And so I could have kept going to that college. I went to Dixie. um, It's in St. George, Utah. And 
I could have kept going there, but I just wanted to get out of my hometown. So I actually ended up transferring to Grand Canyon University in mm. Arizona. Um, and that's where all the debt started to pile up, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but it still wasn't as much as if I would have gone to like a more prestigious university. Um, and then I remember I was actually working part-time. I worked all through college um, and I was working part-time and my mom called me and said, hey, just so you know, um, your student loans are gonna be coming due. The payment per month is like $270. And as a college student working part-time, that's like a whole month's pay. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a lot. Um, so that that's definitely when it hit me. And um, so that's also when I started paying interest each month just to kind of get ahead of it before the actual payment started. Um, so yeah, that's about when I started to become more aware of it and, um, started kind of like tracking that stuff and looking at my debt more closely. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Awesome. And then, so you transitioned out of college and then you wanted to get an apartment with your boyfriend. And obviously, you know, you had that, that realization moment of like, all these bills are coming up. How did you deal with that? Kind of what would, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, that was a very stressful time in my life. It's um, so stressful and <laughs> and like college doesn't prepare you for it. And so I think it's so important for for people to hear stories like this of, you know, set yourself up for success. Yeah, definitely. And I was actually we moved in together my senior year of college. Mm. Um so I wasn't even out of college yet when this kind of all hit me and I decided I was already working um part-time in accounting at a golf course about 25 hours a week, um, which was paying pretty well, but not enough given everything I had to pay for now. Um, so I actually got a second job working as a hostess. And so I'm, I'm going to school full time. I'm working in like a nine to five corporate job, 25 hours a week. And now I have like I'm working on the weekends. Oh my God. Yeah. Like all in my senior year of college when I'm supposed to be like fully enjoying it and like taking advantage of it. And I'm just like grinding, which obviously was like too extreme. Obviously I like know that now. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I don't know. Did I, I forget what the question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that the question was like, what was your transition like out of college into the real world? And, um, and I guess, like we can also go into what led you to to be interested in personal finance and and start to help other people with their personal finance before you touch that I do have a question about your upbringing because you're like you clearly were a very like responsible teenager um and I'm wondering if having a single mom played like an influence in you feeling the need to like get your finances in order much earlier than most people do um and your relationship to all that? Mm, good question. Yeah. yeah, that is a good question. I, I definitely think that is true. I feel like I had to grow up a lot quicker than maybe people with their parents still together, just because that's your, your parents being together, whether it's a good marriage or not, that just them being together and like having that unit, I feel like causes a lot more um, stability in your life. Whereas having a single mom, it can be a little more unstable um and you you know again going back to like you can feel that energy you can feel that growing up yeah um so I I do definitely think that played a huge role in me 
growing up quicker and feeling like I needed to be um, like contributing to the family and like doing the best that I could so that I could help in whatever ways. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I ever needed to like help my mom eventually, but um, yeah, I, I grew up seeing a very strong woman that my mom was raising two children um, on her own. I mean, my dad certainly helped with childcare and, you know, he paid for a lot of stuff too. Right. I prominently saw my mother working long hours and, um, you know, going to school so that she could get better jobs in the long run. Um, so yeah, that definitely played a, a huge role in me wanting to be that strong and like powerful and independent woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes me want to snap my finger. <laughs> <laughs> snap away. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, so definitely that, that did play a big part in, in me wanting to be aware of money and understand it and be able to provide for myself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is a, a, such a good example to have growing up because I don't know, I, I don't know, I, I guess I can speak for myself, but growing up, I, not that I assume that somebody, I guess I, I kind of assume that somebody would come in and like solve my problems for me or like, I just assume that somebody would take care of me. And I really quickly learned that one, I didn't want that because I, again, I want to be that snap your fingers, strong, independent women, but also like, that's really not the way the world works. And so I think that's like a really good example to have. Of course it comes with its, with its downsides as well, but, um, growing up knowing like, I'm going to provide for myself, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be independent. Like it definitely is, is a good lesson to have. Um, oh, right. And then transition into the real world. Let's get into that. (laughs) Yes. Um, so yeah, once I graduated from college, I went, um, straight into working full time. I didn't really take any time off. Um, yeah. And even between the time of high school and college, I didn't take like a gap year or anything. I kind of just been going nonstop either in school or working or both. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, it wasn't really like a major transition for me because I had been working my whole college career. Um, and I was already in an apartment by the time I had graduated. So it wasn't a super major um, shift once I graduated. I honestly, I just started working full time. Um, but yeah, once those student loan payments were coming due and I was working that part time job, it's when I was like, because I, I actually I read Dave Ramsey's um, mm. Total Money Makeover book, which is where everybody starts. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I read that and like, I was trying to follow that and I was just like, this, this isn't it. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what this is, but this is not it. Like working two jobs and just not being happy and my life being so revolved around money. Like this is not how it's supposed to be. Um, but that's also the time when I did get serious about paying off my debt and I kind of mapped all of that out and seeing like how quickly I could pay off my debt and how much I had. Um, and tracking my net worth and stuff. And I I did want to start a blog back then just to kind of like keep track of my debt-free journey. Um, but I decided not to just because, I don't know, I feel like there were so many blogs about that back then, or there still are about people just like, oh, and today I paid off $500. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so- I know. It's like, it's helpful to the person to keep themselves accountable, but everybody else is like, all right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, that was the moment I, I did start to be more aware of it. And then 
once I started paying off my debt more and once I got comfortable with like tracking my spending and kind of learning my own methodologies and trial and error and stuff um, is when I really started to get more interested in it and read more. And I actually, I got a job with Vanguard, the financial firm. And mm. that is cool. where I learned. Yeah, it that was a huge that, that was a huge part of why I became a personal finance coach. Yeah. Um, because the first three months of that job, we were literally just studying from nine to five. Um, that's, wow. <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. cool. It, yeah, it is. I hated it at the time, but now looking back, like I have so much knowledge from that and I know so much about investing and I'm just so confident in that area that it has helped me um, in other areas too, which has, is awesome. <laughs> Oh, how yeah. long we'll were you, sorry. No, I was just going to say, we'll need to ask you some questions. <laughs> how long were you, how long were you at that job for? So I was only, I was there a little less than a year because that was in Arizona. Um, and my boyfriend actually got a job in Boston. He's from mm-hmm. Boston. Um, so he was offered a job here. So we moved. Um, so I only was working there about a year and yeah, the first, so the first three months, the, a quarter of my career there was studying for the like licensing. Yeah. I mean, that's great getting paid to study. Like that sounds like my dream, <laughs> even though I'm sure at the time you're like, all right, I just got out of college. <laughs> like, yeah, let me work. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, at that, at that job. So what I did was I was just on the phone for eight hours a day, literally just, um, like it was basically a call center. I mean, people would call in yeah. questions about their accounts and how to open them and what they should invest in. And I mean, I wasn't able to like give advice, but I was just there to educate them. Um, mm. And that is when I really, um, you know, found like my passion of helping people with their money. Yeah. And I realized that the people that were actually calling in were maybe like I, I don't know the numbers, but maybe like 5% of the population. Mm. So it's like, I realized there were so many people not calling in, not getting the help they needed. Um, so that's, I just wanted to bridge that gap. I wanted to be the in-between person because yeah, calling into a giant financial firm does not sound fun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah, I just wanted to, to help bridge that gap. And that's when I really started my blog um, and kind of started my Instagram and and just sharing what I knew about investing. Yeah. I don't know if this is a fair question, but (laughs) when you were working at that job, did you feel like it was, there was a clear split between who was calling in in terms of gender or were you talking to all different types of people and like age and stuff? Um, yeah, I would, it was, yeah, I would say the majority were white older men and even older women too I feel Mm. like there were quite a few savvy older women that like really knew what was going on which was awesome um but yeah the the few and far between I would get calls from young women or even young couples and those were my favorite calls like I remember spending an hour and a half on the phone with a couple trying to set up their IRA and it just like made me so happy and even afterwards I told them I was like thank you guys so much for calling like I so enjoyed this conversation (laughs) like I was just ecstatic to be helping them and so proud of them for doing that yeah Um, so yeah it but that was few and far between sadly (laughs) 
So what do you do? Do you have a nine to five or are you full on money with Madison? Um, so I, I am working in a nine to five right now. I'm doing accounting for a golf club in Boston. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not working for Vanguard anymore, but um, I am biased and I love Vanguard, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And so how do you kind of balance being in the nine to five and then also having this like side passion, side business? What does that look like for you? Honestly, it's really hard. Like yeah. all I want to do is help people and like accounting is just so boring, which that's what I majored in. So I'm kind of like stuck with it but yeah yeah um, it is really boring and it's hard like yeah I just want to be always helping people and yeah so that's been a struggle and obviously like I am trying to transition full-time um, into personal finance coaching but obviously that takes time yeah it does definitely <laughs> <laughs> um, and kind of have you, what does your business look like now? Are you taking one-on-one clients? Like what are your, some of your offerings? Yeah, definitely. So I do offer one-on-one coaching, either just like hour calls, um, or like three month packages. Mm. And then I do have an e-course actually called rewriting wealth, which Ooh. just focuses all about your money mindset. And it's kind of like a daily journal and meditation course. Um, Love that. Getting right with your mindset, which yeah, is huge. Huge. Um, So yeah. And then I also have my podcast and my Instagram, which is where I share most of my um, like knowledge and just, you know, share all the stuff. So love it. I love it. Um, So let's talk a little bit about money mindset, because I think that's such a good topic. Like what, what do you, what does money mindset actually mean to you? And what, like, what do you want to share with people about a money mindset? What does that actually mean? Yeah. So I think, I feel like this is a weird, a weird thing to talk about because you can't really see it. I feel like when people think about money, they only think about um, like Excel spreadsheets and tracking your spending. Yeah. They don't think about like how you think about money, which is your mindset, how you view money and how you perceive it and how you interact with it. Um and that's like the biggest part. I mean, how you see money is going to reflect on your finances as a whole. It's going to reflect how you manage it. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a huge part. And I think a lot of people neglect it or don't even realize they need to work on that. Um, so I am very passionate about helping my clients realize yeah. that, wait, like before we get into the spreadsheets, we need to make sure that your mind is right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we're what, big believers in that. <laughs> big, big believers of that. And so what would you say is like a good versus bad money mindset? <laughs> I don't know if that's a fair question to ask, but I'd love to hear your response. <laughs> yeah. So I think the most obvious one is just like a scarcity mindset versus an abundant mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just viewing money as like bad and evil and that it causes all this problems. Um, and just switching that to money makes the world go around like it just is what it is and um, you don't have to tie any emotions to the money or yeah. really anything and, and um, just being grateful for what you have and, and seeing it for what it is that it's just a tool to make your life better and that it's not something to obsess over or um, yeah yeah let control you I guess yeah yeah 
Um, so I, I was reading on your um, website about your like net worth and your relationship to net worth. And I was um, wondering, um, did your net worth define you? Did you feel like seeing that negative made you feel a certain way? And how did you go about healing that? Yeah, definitely. So when I first started my first started tracking my net worth, I didn't really think anything of it. Like I saw I was like a negative like 45 grand or something. And so this was right when I was out of college. So again, I didn't really fully understand it and I didn't let it affect me too much. Mm. Um, but yeah, when I switched into being a personal finance coach, then it kind of hit me like, oh, like I have a negative net worth and I'm trying to tell people how to like manage their money. And yeah. So that was, I I did let it define me for a long time because I thought that if people knew I had a negative net worth, they wouldn't trust me or they would like judge my expertise and be like, oh, maybe she doesn't know what she's doing. Why should I work with her? Um, But yeah, what I finally realized, and it took me long enough, was that like your net worth doesn't change who you are like at your core. It doesn't make you a better person if it's positive. Um, like it doesn't take away from your accomplishments if it's negative it doesn't change what you're interested in or what you're passionate about Um, and sadly that did take me a little bit of time but now that I've like been more open and did start sharing what my net worth was and that it is negative um, honestly it's like been super freeing and like I have this weight on my shoulder like I feel like I have to be perfect which has been great (laughs) Yeah. Cutting that perfectionism. Oh my God. It's a, it's a really tough one, but I think you touched on a really good point that just like sharing it and being open is such a empowering way to, to deal with perfectionism, which I've certainly found from this podcast too. Like when I first started it, I was like, Oh my God, like, what if I say the wrong thing or like say something? And then it turns out to not be the the right advice, but really just like allowing yourself to be vulnerable and admit that you're not perfect is like the, the perfect antidote to that. Um, and then, yeah. And then I guess that a a good transition is like, how has kind of being a perfectionist either helped or hurt you with money and how, how else have you worked on this area in in your life? Yeah. So I think starting my business was very powerful in helping me not be a perfectionist Um, because yeah, like you can't be a perfectionist. Yeah. I talk about this with Amelie all the time. All the time. Yeah. AJ always tells me done is better than perfect. I'm like, fine. (laughs) I just make too many like small mistakes on a day to day to like have to care enough to like, you know, like I, like I was on the phone with my friends last night and I said like the dumbest thing ever. And it's just like, that's, that's just me. It's just me. <laughs> I say weird stuff. I think most people understand what I'm saying. I'm never going to always say everything perfectly. Um, so yeah. So and but you're I'm, trying, I mean, I'm always trying to be better, but like, yeah. I also know myself and like, I, that's like, it just is what it is. Yeah. You know? Like I'm, I can never, I'm never going to get it good at grammar to know that like, I'm using the wrong word, you know, minute versus minute, you know, or whatever it is. Maybe one day, maybe, I don't know. It's not my goal. I'd rather be focusing on the product, which is helping people with their finances than like, but 
Amelie is a great reminder of attention to detail. Let's just call we it. balance each other out. Exactly. But anyways, <laughs> back to you. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear about your relationship to perfectionism, especially um, in this industry. Yeah. So I, yeah, before starting my business, I have kind of always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, so like even before I started a business, I was always listening to like business podcasts and always um, reading books and, you know, learning about that world. And the thing that always stuck with me was, um, yeah, kind of along the same lines of what you said, done is better than perfect. And um, like that, like perfectionism is just an excuse. And are you really going to like, there's no perfect time to start. Um, so all those things really stuck with me. And I was like, yeah, like, that's right. I just have to do it. I just have to put myself out there. Like you learn as you go. It's so much more important to take inspired action instead of just staying on the sidelines. Um, so yeah, like, and that has always come easy to me, like with business and no perfectionism, like that's always been together. That's always been a thing. Right. Um, so it was like always easy. I was just like, yeah, like, just, just do it. It's fine. Um, and Yeah. So then I started to realize like, well, if I can not be a perfectionist in business, then like what other areas could be made better by not being a perfectionist. And so kind of just bled out into every other area of my life, just having that same mindset of knowing that, you know, you're going to get a lot further in business and in life if you just do the things instead of just waiting for it to be perfect. Yeah. And I think that's such a good example and a good reminder that like money affects every part of your life because it is all related and if you are you know taking yourself too seriously and being too hard on yourself with money like what other areas of your life is that bleeding into so I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on like how money relates to other aspects of your life I'm sure you have many (laughs) yeah I mean yeah you can't I mean you can't do anything without money like there yeah yeah like you said every single area of our life is affected by money and there's just like no getting away from that luckily or unluckily I don't know um but yeah I I think once and once you get your money right the thing is I think people like people stress about their job and separately from them stressing about like their rent and paying bills and they stress about that separately from like their friends but like really money is at the core of all of that. And once you get your money right, all other areas are going to be benefited, which, um, so yeah, just like making people realize that it starts with your money and your job will get better or you'll be able to find a better job or you won't yes. stress about bills. Yeah. That's like when I'm like, why do you think you need an emergency fund? Because then you can go to your boss and like, be like, I'm worth $20,000 more. And if I need to leave this job because I just kind of gave you a non, you know, like a, I, I this is it, mm-hmm. uh, I can. And that gives you that confidence. Yeah. yeah, totally. Um, going back to being an entrepreneur, I'd love to hear like, what were the first few things that you did when you were like setting up the business that you felt like were really important versus like actually like you wasted a lot of time? I'd like, what? I want to know the bad, the ugly of, of starting <laughs> That is a good question. I don't know if I've really ever thought about that. Um, what I did, that was a waste of time. Um, I, yeah, I feel like, I feel like I did kind of focus on the wrong things. Um, I kind of just, well, I don't know. I feel like when I first started, 
um, I wasn't clear on like who my ideal client was. I just wanted Mm -hmm. to help everybody. Um, and I wasn't, I actually turned my personal profile into my business account, which I'm so mad at myself for doing that because it's like (laughs) half the followers, people are just like, they're following because they know you, but it's like, they don't give a crap. I know. (laughs) We had the same issue. (laughs) I was like, okay. At first I was like, no, let's keep it. I have, you know, a thousand followers. And then I like texted Amelie because she was like, you know, promoting that I don't do that. And I was like, I was like, AJ, we need a separate account. (laughs) I'm so grateful. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that was probably my, the biggest one that I can remember right now. Um, yeah. What do you think you did? You did well. Um, I, I invested in myself early on. I didn't just try to figure everything out. Mm. Um, like I invested in a group coaching program that actually came with, um, like four one hour calls with a business coach. Oh, cool. Um, so, and that was like a huge investment for me. I think it was like $2,500. Yeah. When you're just starting um, and you're like money conscious, obviously, it, that's a huge like thing to do. But I think that helped me a lot with like my social media presence and just um, having everything in order. So, yeah, absolutely. Um what is your like biggest advice to somebody who wants to start their own business or is similar to you and like is really entrepreneurial? Like what would you tell them if they're looking to start something? Um, I would say that, and I know this is so cliche, but like you can't do it for the money. Like you can't do it just because you think you're going to make a lot of money because yeah, um, the odds are you're not going to make money for a while. Like, yeah. you know, um, like overnight success, like that's not really a thing unless you go viral on TikTok. And even then, <laughs> like, then you have to work to get sponsorships and all this stuff. Um, so it's like, yeah, it don't do it because you think it's going to make your life easier. It's not going to make your life easier, but <laughs> no, it's not, but it'll be worth it in the long run. If you, right. if you put, put in, if you invest into it. Yeah. I think that's such yeah. good advice. I, what, one of my favorite quotes is like an, an overnight success. It takes like 20 years or something like that. It's like what you see is the overnight success, but the person actually feels the, what the, yeah. whatever length of time like, they put into it. Yeah. yeah. The iceberg effect. for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's um, really fantastic advice. Um, do you know, I, I, I talk about with clients about like side hustling and I'm like, mm-hmm. if you don't like go figure out something you like doing, you know, like there's a million ways to make money. And so I, I love that, that it, it's, uh, if you don't, if you're not, if there's no heart, I mean, there, what's the point? Yeah. It, it really is like the core, honestly. Yeah. Amazing. Well, it was so, so lovely talking to you. Um, so many, good bits of information for our listeners. Where can they find you? What would you like to promote? And um, anything else that you want to share with us? Yeah, definitely. So uh, obviously I love talking with you guys. I could talk about this stuff all day. (laughs) Us too, us too. (laughs) Um, So actually I do have a podcast. It's just Money with Madison. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, And I'm on Instagram at Money with Madison. And I also, um, so I do offer one-on-one coaching, e-courses, and a webinar. Um, You can find those 
on my website, moneywithmadison.com slash offers. And then I do also offer a group coaching program, which can be found on Instagram at moneybabemonthly. Um, so I'm actually working on that one now, but I think nice. when it's released, it'll be live. So you can go check that out. Certainly. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> What's your podcast about? I mean, obviously it's about money, but like, <laughs> what do you talk about on it? <laughs> um, kind of just everything. It's mainly just been like a brain dump for me. Just, I mean, it, mm-hmm. I kind of turned my blog into a podcast where I, whatever I felt like writing or talking about, that's just kind of what I do on the podcast now. Um, so, I mean, it ranges from like investing to just budgeting and managing your money. And then I also do do a few guest episodes um, and have other money coaches on. Um, so yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Awesome. I'm such a like money podcast nerd. So any, I have a list in my phone of like all the money podcasts and I just listen to them religiously. So I'll add it to my list. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And then we always like to, to ask our guests, um, if you had to describe your relationship with money in one word, what would it be? Um, really throwing me a curveball here. Like, I know it's a, it's a tough question. <laughs> we specifically don't tell people that this will be a question so that they, they can be put on the spot and answer right. authentically. Right. <laughs> I, that's a good idea. I love that. Um, one word that describes my relationship with money. Um, okay. I don't know if this is one word, I guess it, it's hyphenated, so I hope that's okay, but I would just well, say that's work fine. in progress. Okay. Work in progress. I love yeah. that. I love that. Progress. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And then we always end our podcast with, with three things that we're grateful for. We believe that gratitude is the antidote to, to so many things and one way to really cultivate um, a good life, you know, a good, a good money mindset is, as you were talking about. So we'd love to have you start three things that you're grateful for. Okay. Um, I'm grateful for you guys and being on this podcast. I feel so honored to be invited on a podcast. So thank you. Yes, of course. We love talking to you. We love talking to you. <laughs> um, number two, I'm grateful for my beautiful apartment and my boyfriend and cat. Um, <laughs> and I am grateful for... Um, I think I'm, I'm just grateful for where I'm at in life, even if it's not Ooh. where I want to be. I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. AJ, do you want to go next? Yes. I am grateful for <laughs> when I say yes, my dog thinks that they're <laughs> going to get a treat. Um, <laughs> I'm grateful for my dog um, who gives me, is teaching me about time management and I am grateful for Amelie and our evolving partnership. And I'm grateful for um, my health. Nice. Very clean. I love it. Clean. Um, I am grateful for my apartment as well, um, especially during COVID times and like spending so much time at home. I'm just really grateful that I have a comfortable like place to, to be. Um, I'm grateful for the finance community and like the fact that there are all these awesome financial coaches and we're all focused on collaboration over competition and like building each other up. I think it's so awesome. And I'm grateful for, honestly, I'm grateful for TV. <laughs> like, I just feel like recently I've been like binging my old shows and 
brings me a lot of joy and it's like a good detox for my mind sometimes. So I'm pretty grateful. That's so great. Yeah. Well, we loved having you on. It was, yeah, it was so great having you on. And everybody, thank you for listening to Everybody's Bad With Money. This podcast was presented by Beyond the Green Coaching. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our website, beyondthegreencoaching.com. We offer private coaching, group coaching, couples coaching, and we also do financial wellness for corporations. Uh, We are so excited to hear from you. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. And thank you, Madison. We loved having you on and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. And Luna says bye too. <laughs> <laughs>